0: Thank you, worship team. You are phenomenal. You guys are phenomenal. So good. If you want to turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 24, and we'll spend a few minutes here, and then we'll get you on your Easter merry way. And uh, I'm just, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're part of the family this morning. And um, I tell you what, Easter's an interesting day, right? We all, we show up, we, we get our Sunday best on. Most of us, um, uh, some of us are really dug in on I'm going to treat it like any normal day. And, uh, and, and then we get real polite in church and we get real, you know, we get kind of, and I, of all the days to get a little rowdy in church, it's Easter, amen, And um, because we do win. The victory is already won. And uh, let us not grow weary of it. Let us not grow used to it. Let us, not get, uh, let us not just normalize it and make it just, oh, that was a nice thing. I appreciate that. Uh, eggs are cool too. Uh, but that we would actually love that Jesus rose again for us. Amen? Man, it's good to have you guys here. It really is. And uh, I think sometimes the reason we forget what Jesus has done is because we don't take time to remember. And uh, so good to be in church today, where we really do remember what Jesus has done. And if you're new with us the first time, or maybe it's been a while, uh, we're in a bit of a series. We're having a bit of conversation around story, and uh, whether it be Jesse and Abby's story that you just heard, which is just powerful, just amazing. And uh, Kevin and Vicky's will be on the way and and very soon. Uh, But you've seen stories on our social networks and all that kind of stuff. And we are in this series for this reason. Because we as a church should be the greatest storytellers on the planet. We should be the people who are sharing stories all the time. Um, and, And the reason I say that is because for many of us, we get locked up in the idea that it's not finished yet. My story's not Finished. It's not perfect. I haven't run it through a few rough drafts. Gotten it edited. I. 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 And we. We just like. Well, I need to fix that up. I need to add a period here. I need to add a comma there. I need to. Do a chapter break there. I need to make sure that this is all tidied up before I'll actually lean in and go for it and share our story. And I think that there's such a, it's, it's, it's just, it's such an unhealthy way to look at your story. Your story is meant to be told. In your story being told, you begin to understand who God is, what he wants to continue to do in your life. In fact, Revelation says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb, which is what Jesus has done, and by the word of our testimony. That there is actually something valuable, powerful, and victorious in you telling the story Jesus has worked and written in your life. And so many of us, we don't tell our story. How many of you think Jesse and Abby's story should be told to people? How many of you have some friends or family who would love, need to hear someone talk about how church has hurt them, and yet the very thing that they found hurt them early on is now the very thing that is causing healing and life and hope and joy? And sometimes we live in a dichotomous type place where we wouldn't, it, it, wait, this, no, that's the thing that was caused the pain and the offense and the hurt. And wait, oh, now it's mending and it's, it's, it's creating a context and environment for me to heal. And, and, and so their story's not finished yet. Their story's not over yet. Their story has not been fully written. There are still things to be done, still things to happen, still things to step into. And yet we can still tell it. There's a verse in the Bible that gives me a lot of hope. In Philippians, he says, he says that the, the work the Lord started in you, right, will not be finished until the day of the Lord Jesus, which to me means it ain't ever finished. Like, why do I keep trying to present to people a finished product when the Bible actually already tells me that ain't going to happen? That my unfinished imperfect story is actually the very thing that makes the grace of God so amazing. Like if I presented to you this perfect story of my life and then said I love God's grace, you'd go, but yeah, you were already good to go. You see, it's the very, thing, the very fact that he would accept me and use me in the midst of the fact that I don't have it all together and I haven't figured it all out and my story isn't all right turns and good things and there's different difficult seasons in my life and yet Jesus, in spite of it all, loved me and cares for me and wants my story to be written. So I want to just take a second over the next few minutes and talk about one story that I think is paramount over all other stories. I think it affects every story. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 24. If you got a Bible, it's, uh, it's close to the end, but it's at the beginning of the New Testament. The Old Testament, they got a little wordy. The New Testament, they shrunk it down, got a little more succinct. It's, uh, you know, well, the message was simpler. It was Jesus, right? It was just Jesus. And, uh, and so uh, Luke chapter 24, if you don't have a Bible, it's all good. It's going to be on the screen, and I promise I'll read the same thing. Luke chapter 24, y'all ready? But, well, some of you. Okay, cool. I do work with audience response. I don't do well without it. I get very um, insecure. So please help me out. They do not like me very much. Um, Luke 24, verse 1. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. That verse, whether it seems insignificant, is not insignificant. It's actually fairly significant in the story. It tells us a lot of things about the Bible. One being that women were not downplayed as they were in that society. They were actually elevated to a place where they could be part of the story, which is, I think, a cool thing about the Bible, a cool thing about Jesus. Um, Second is that they were bringing spices. That wasn't because they were going to have a grill out at the grave. That was because that was honorary of someone who had just passed away. It was a way to protect or provide a, a scent or a smell around the grave and around someone who had just passed away, this is three or four days on, uh, that that maybe uh, hid some of what you might expect to come from a grave where a body is lying dead and decomposing. Happy Easter to all of you. And so the reason they're bringing spices in the first place is not because they're expecting to find a risen Savior or to see Jesus alive, it's actually the very opposite. They are showing up with spices because they are expecting to find dead Jesus. They are very much expecting that the Jesus they thought was going to come in and change everything for them was dead and lying in a grave. The, the, them bringing the spices is, is a very good cue as to what the, the mindset of both the women and the men and the disciples was, was because they, they 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 just watched Jesus. The one that they thought was either going to be a master politician and and, and, and to strategize his way out of this or some mighty warrior and win victories through might and power and somehow was going to rise uh, raise Jew, uh, Jewish tradition and Jewish culture out of the ashes. That's what they thought was going to happen. Instead, they watched Jesus die on a Cross. The worst of deaths. This was this was the cross. This was the the, the 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 thing they gave to all of the worst criminals. You know, put them on a cross. And so these women are walking to the grave and they're preparing to see uh and to find a stone rolled in front of the grave with a dead dead Jesus on the inside. That's their expectation. That's what I love about the Bible. I really do love about the Bible uh, that they just have real people. It's just got real people in it. It's got real people. It's, it doesn't have people who like, are ignoring the situation and ignoring the facts and ignoring what's going on and ignoring that things are difficult and things are hard and things are not easy. They're not ignoring those things. It actually is very real with you. I love that the Bible has a bunch of imperfect people loved by God and used by him. If you ever find a church that doesn't accept you, then you probably find a church that doesn't understand that everyone in this Bible is sinful. Everyone in this Bible has messed up. Everyone in this Bible has a reason for someone to be upset with them or someone to be mad at them, and yet God uses them nonetheless. That's an important thing to understand, that we are a church that believes in people and believes in what God has done for all of them. And we trust God to do a work in everyone's life. Okay, that was verse 1. You ready? Verse 2. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. A little bit shocking. So they went in, as I'm sure most women would do, right? Just walk into a grave. Uh, why is there no one in here? But they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. So they stood there, a little bit puzzled. I just had a picture in my head of my wife going, I, Brandon told me he put this here. This is where he said it was going to be, and being a little puzzled, right? That doesn't ever happen. I always tell the truth. Two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The other picture I get there is Kanye's Sunday services, all in white robes, singing amazing music. Some of you don't know what that is. That's fine. (laughs) I check it every Sunday afternoon when I get done with church. I'll get my church on. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. And the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He is not here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee? Anybody ever forget what God said? I find that my faith would be much stronger if I had a better memory. Like, he loves you. I forget that sometimes. He is for you. Yeah, totally forget that every once in a while. He makes all things work together for the good of those who love him. Yeah, definitely miss that one every Tuesday afternoon. Are y'all you, you are all good. I, I I am just pouring out my heart to you. I, I find that if I could just remember what it is that God had said, if I could just remember the promises of this, if I could just remember what He's spoken into my heart and into my family, that maybe I'd walk a little bit differently. He says, remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered. It's fantastic, isn't it? You know, that's why the Holy Spirit is so important in our lives. In fact, Jesus describes the Holy Spirit, and one of the ways he describes the Holy Spirit is he says the Holy Spirit is going to bring to remembrance the things I have said to you. One of the most important things about your relationship with God is that he is in a place, and you create a space in your life where he can bring to remembrance He can bring to remembrance the things about Jesus. It's the way he shapes you into the image of God. It's the way that he shapes you into the image of Christ is that he would create a place where he can can remind you of who Jesus is and thus remind you of who you are. And so they remember. That's what he did say. I remember that. Verse 9, so they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story, this is where I love that it's, it's just real. Because I, I feel like this would have been my response. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men. So they didn't believe it. How many, of you, how many of you feel like, I know some of you are like, no, 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 I would have totally remembered what Jesus had said. I would have remembered it perfectly, and I would have already been celebrating because I knew what was going on. But for most of us imperfect people, we would have all thought the same thing. You did not just go to the grave and see the stone rolled away, see no Jesus in it, and somehow tell us that angels appeared to you. Like, that sounds ridiculous. Anybody else identify was that anybody ever else hear a story like maybe a Jesse and Abby story, or maybe you've heard a story of someone around who's who's had an experience with Jesus, and you look at them and you go, maybe you don't say it to their face because that's impolite, and we aren't, we're polite in Texas for the most part, unless it comes to football, right? You you in the back of your mind you go, that sounds ridiculous, that sounds like nonsense. Why, I, don't, why, I don't understand what's going on there. And so the disciples look at these, these women and say, no, that's, that's ridiculous. That's, that is, that's utter nonsense. That's crazy. And what I love is what happens next. This is one of my favorite parts. Because I, I feel like, I, I don't know about you, has anyone ever told you a story that you absolutely, 100%, completely don't believe, but you got to go check it out for yourself? You just can't help it. It's a story that's so incredible, you don't believe it, but you might as well go check it out. Verse, 30, verse 12 says, however, Peter jumped up. I imagine uh, Peter jumped up, but, but said something like, I've got to run to the restroom, or let me go, i got to run to the house real quick, I forgot something. Peter probably tried to cover it up, that's kind of the way Peter was. Peter kind of sneaks out of the house and runs to the grave. I don't believe you. It's utter nonsense. There's absolutely no way what you're telling me is true. There's no way there's no Jesus. It doesn't make any sense. Why would the stone be rolled away? That would take tons of guys. That, th- there's no way this is possibly true. But I'm going to go check it out just to make sure. See, I think, I, think, I think we should be okay with people who are wondering and who are curious about this Jesus. I think the church meets, needs to make a space and a place. Everywhere we are, whether it be a Sunday morning, whether it be a coffee shop, whether it be at our cubicle, whether it be at a Wednesday night dinner party, we need to make a space for people who are just simply curious. They might tell you to your face, this is utter nonsense. But in the back of their mind, I just maybe need to check it out a little bit. And can we be as a church, whether it be people who have grown up as Christians, grown up as believers, grown up in the church, who go through a place where they go, "Ah, I'm just not sure about this, I'm not sure about that, I'm not sure about that, I'm not sure about that. Is it okay for us to be a church where people sit in this room and go, I'm not sure? Because, I don't know, it's in the Bible, I feel like it can be in the church. And so Peter goes, however, i, I got to jump up, i got to go check this out. So Peter runs to the grave, and it says he gets to the grave, and he stoops down. Anybody stoop? Anybody? Okay. Stooping in, he peers in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again, wondering what had happened, perplexed about what had happened, curious, amazed about what had happened. I think the church and what Jesus did on the cross and what he did through the resurrection should cause a little bit of perplexing. It should cause a little bit of wonder. It should cause a little bit of amazement. It should cause a little bit of at least let me figure out what's going on. Because for for Peter, everything was over. When, When he watched Jesus die on the cross, it was done. All the hopes he had, all the things he had wanted, all the things he had believed for, all the things the prophets had spoken of, everything that had led up to that moment was done. It was over. Peter was walking away from an empty grave and he wasn't, he didn't walk away going, Oh, he's risen. Jesus is alive. We can celebrate. No, he walks away from the grave going, What is going on? What happened? I think maybe there's some of us in the room today who are in that place who, yeah, well, we hear stories of Jesus. And we hear stories like Abby and Jesse, or or many others, all around this church, and we go, I, maybe I'm not, I'm just not sure what's happening here. You know what I think is interesting during this whole section of scripture: Jesus is alive. Like Jesus is alive already. He's already alive. It's not like he's, he's 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 dead somewhere else. He's he's alive and and he's allowing Peter to live in his wonder. He's allowing Peter to live in a bit of I'm not sure. He's allowing Peter to kind of hang out in a place where he's trying to figure some things out. I think I think God is a God of wonder. I think one of the greatest tragedies of the church is that we don't live in enough awe of who God is. I think we should, on a regular basis, be a little bit puzzled by what God is up to. I think we should, on a regular basis, be a little bit awestruck, maybe a little bit perplexed about what God is doing and how he's doing it. I know we don't like that because that means that we don't have the control over how it's going to look or how it's going to go or when it should do this or when it should do that or how it should, but it is very much a place in our faith that we would look at God in wonder, that we could be like Peter and see what God has done and see what what, what is happening and be a little bit perplexed by it and go home. He doesn't go back to the house where he was. He doesn't go back to the disciples. He's got to process this thing. He's got to figure out what's going on. Eventually, he makes his way back to the disciples. Eventually, he makes his way back to that group of people who had said, this is utter nonsense. This is absolutely ridiculous. Just after the story, Jesus is walking with two of his disciples, and he says, why are you guys upset? And they say to him, have you not heard that Jesus died? But some people have said that he rose again. And Jesus is going, yeah, no, I hadn't heard that. It, obviously, these guys didn't recognize who he was, and were frustrated and discouraged and a little bit depressed by what was going on. They didn't know what to do with it, and eventually Jesus reveals himself to them and shows them who he is. And so they rush back to the disciples and say, hey, uh, we we ha- we saw Jesus like it actually happened. We saw him. And as he begins to talk as they begin to talk about Jesus, Jesus shows up. I, I, the reason we want you to tell your story, the reason we think it's so valuable and so powerful, It's because we believe when you begin to speak, Jesus will show up. Like, I don't know about you, but some of you are going to like Jesse and Abby's story way better than you're going to like my sermon. And I'm okay with that. I'll do better next time. Because there's something in that story, and there's something in stories like this where Peter's wondering, and he's amazed, and he's perplexed, that I can find myself in. I can identify with that. I can find myself in the wonder. I can find myself in the perplexing. I can find myself. And it started a little bit like a wonder about what's going on. How did this happen? I I don't understand. Why why would you leave the linens? Why would you leave the bandages of the one that you're, because some theories are that someone just tried to steal Jesus and, and take Jesus. And so maybe it would look like something. And that would have had to be a pretty orchestrated event. And here are the linens. Here's the stuff hanging out. And it's there. And he's wondering about He's wondering what has happened. But eventually, as you read on with the story, what you begin to find out is not as he, he's not just wondering about what happened, but now what happens? What happens now? If, if Jesus has actually risen, I was discouraged, I was frustrated, I was depressed for a few days. If Jesus has actually risen, what does that mean for me? What does it mean for the people that gave their life to Jesus? What does it mean for the people that Jesus healed? What does it mean for the things that he said and spoke? What does it mean? What, there's a wonder about how it happened or why it happened, but now there's a wonder, this growing sense of wonder. There's this growing sense of awe about what might happen now that the story has progressed. There's another story in John chapter 11, and you can turn there if you'd like to. You don't have to. John chapter 11. This is before Jesus goes to the cross. Then there's uh, two sisters and their brother, Lazarus, who is, uh, who's about to die, and so they send some word to Jesus. They know Jesus can heal. He's just a couple villages away, and, and, uh, and so they send some word. Jesus gets the word, and, and, and he knows of Lazarus and uh, loves Lazarus, but, uh, but he says, you know what? We're going to hang out here for a little bit longer. How many of you love when Jesus doesn't go according to your schedule? Right? Um, I know you laugh because you don't like it, and you don't know how to just say, I don't like it. You just laugh because it's like that uncomfortable, like, yeah, I don't like that. (laughs) Um, So Jesus waits a few extra days, and then he shows up. Martha runs to him. There's a few things that happen here, but one of the things that happened is Martha says to him, if you had just been here, you could have healed him, which is a pretty paradoxical statement, isn't it? On one hand, if you had just been here, I'm frustrated with you. I'm not happy about how this is going. I'm not happy about how this went down. I I am mad. I'm angry. And yet, this real sense and conviction that if you had been here, you could have healed him. I believe in you. I, I know you can do things that are beyond my ability to understand or explain. I'm upset with you, but I believe in you. It isn't her going, oh, if you had just been here, I'm not sure. Maybe, some, maybe, maybe something could have happened. Maybe. I'm not sure. No, no, no. If you had been here, you could have healed him. And then she says a big statement about, but I believe in you. I trust you. And then Jesus says this statement to her. This is before uh, he raises Lazarus. Sorry, spoiler alert. He does bring Lazarus back to life. I feel like that's a big part of the story. But I, I want to tell you this part because he says things to us sometimes. And, 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 and what he does in the Gospels, when he heals people, uh, when he heals the lame man who gets lowered down in front of him, and, and he says something like this, he says, your sins are forgiven. And the lame man's going, that's not really why I came here. I came here so you could heal me, so I could walk again. The only reason he said your sins are forgiven is because the people around him would have believed that his sickness was to do with his sinfulness, that you're sick because you're a bad person. And so Jesus goes, your sins are forgiven. And then they thought, oh, we trapped him. If he can say that, then he has to heal. And Jesus goes, no, 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 I set you up. And so he heals the man. Because what he's trying to do in healing the man temporarily or in the physical sense on the earth is he's trying to elevate the truth of heaven. He's trying to elevate the truth that I go beyond your physical ailment or situation and circumstance. I want to deal with eternity and heaven's reality. And so he only does the healing because he wants to bring heaven to earth. And the same thing happens here. Jesus looks at Martha and he says, I am, in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Not an impersonal thing. Not some kind of behavior modification thing. He's not telling you if you live up to a certain, a certain level or a certain status or a certain behavioral title. It's not that. Me. I am the resurrection and the life. I am right here, this one. I want you to know this is relational. Your salvation is not based upon what you do. It's based upon who you know. That sounds clever and cliche, but it's true, and I I can't really apologize for that. It sounds too simple. It sounds too easy. All i got to do is know Jesus. He says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. Funny phrase, live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never ever die. It's just a—it's a a weird statement. I don't know if y'all think this is weird. I think it's a little weird. You'll live even after you die. You're not gonna die even when you die. Anybody else say, I think that's a little, mis- I think it's confusing, right? I might have to go home like Peter and sit down and go, what does all this mean? What he's trying to tell you is the most important life and death you live is not one out here, but one in here. The most important resurrection is not the one physically, but the one spiritually, It's not not just this idea that you live this perfect life out here, but that even when it all goes wrong, you have resurrection life. Because again, he's not trying to emphasize the temporary. He's trying to emphasize the eternal. Because if I have an eternal perspective, and I have an eternal source, and I have an eternal life, then nothing that happens in this temporary one can affect that one because one comes from the other. And so Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. If you live in me and believe in me, you will have life even after you die. And then he goes on to heal Lazarus. Then he goes on to call Lazarus out of the grave. Now, why does he call Lazarus out of the grave? Again, just to emphasize that what I said about your eternity is true. If I, I can't just say this and do nothing to prove it. So he heals Lazarus so that he can heal everyone else's heart. So he can heal and create space where he can do something in your life. Because he goes, oh, if that is possible, then this is possible. See, I, I, be a, I, I want us to be a church. I want C3 Full Worth to be a place. And I think it is. I think it's a place where a Jesse and Abby can come in hurt, frustrated, a bit broken... And find hope and life and joy. And I love that they don't depend on us to get it all right. I love that they don't depend on us to make everything perfect. I love that we've created a place and an environment where you can be who you are, be loved and encouraged. And we trust that the Holy Spirit is going to work in your life. I cannot do what the Holy Spirit does. I can't create create enough rules, set up enough systems for you to live this perfect thing. Only the Holy Spirit can shape you and make you. Now, some of us hear that and we go, oh, so I can do whatever I want. No, no, no. This is what it means. All of us, together, the church, everyone in it, everyone outside of it, we surrender our story to Jesus. That's what it means. It means at the end of the day, this is not about me figuring it all out and making it perfect. It's about me surrendering it so that he can author it. It's me surrendering the rough draft. It's me surrendering the first paragraph because I couldn't get past that line. It's me. I have had writer's blocks, so I'm going to put this on you. I'm going to put my eyes upon Jesus. I'm a bit perplexed. I'm a bit wondering. I'm not really sure, but I believe that if I surrender it to you, you can bring it back to life. I believe there's a lot of people who have a story that they feel is dead. It's over. It's finished. It's done. There's no more. It's never going to happen. This is never going to come back to life. It's amazing to me how we can treat Monday as though it's the last day on earth. It's amazing to me how we can treat this week as the last week we'll ever live. It is sometimes amazing to me how we can treat the moment we're in as the last moment we'll ever have. And God says don't worry about tomorrow. He doesn't say don't believe it's coming. He just says just don't worry about it. Live today in the good grace of God. Live today knowing you're fully loved, deeply loved, and believe that he can restore all things and resurrect all things. That whatever has happened in your life, whatever has gone on in your life, whatever you have walked through, whatever you have dealt with, whatever situation you have carried or walked through, he can bring you through to the other side. The reason Jesus went all the way to the extent of death is so that you would believe and so that you would know that there is absolutely nothing that can hang over your head ever again. Death is the one tyrant that culture and the world has never been able to defeat. There are many of us who live in fear of death, not because we vocalize it or bring it up. We don't talk about death. We don't tell people, I'm afraid to die. But we live in this way of, oh, man, we just got to live wildly and just live how, Man, we just better live it up. And I, hey, listen, I, we're a church, we like to live it up. We like to have a good time. But we understand we don't do that because we're worried about our time. We don't do that because we're worried about what's going to happen. We do that because we're freed of whatever happens. And no matter what situation we walk through, no matter what situation we deal with, no matter what circumstance we find ourselves in, whether hurt by the church or hurt by other people, whether, whether frustrated by where we're at in life and where we, where we thought we would be and where we currently are, whatever it might be, that, that even in the wonder and in the perplexing moments of our life, if Jesus, you had just been there, You could have done something. And Jesus is not surprised by your circumstance. He's not surprised by your situation. And don't don't think that I haven't lived through some things. I I know sometimes we get up here, we smile a lot, and we celebrate, and we worship, that we all have our own fights. We all have our own things. We all have our difficulties. But Jesus interrupts our story to change the rules for our story. He interrupts our story to change what the story should be. He interrupts our story so that he can redefine the parameters. For many of us, we're trying to write up this perfect character, create these perfect circumstances. We are a culture that is obsessed with unique spaces and not nearly obsessed enough with unique souls. We love the places we can create and live in. We don't really care enough about the people who live there. Because we would much rather create a place where we can exist. It's much easier to measure. It's much easier to look at, it's much easier to fix, than to surrender who we are, to surrender our story, surrender our life, and let God work from the inside out. Because every one of you has a unique story. It's different than the person to your left and to your right. It's different. It's not less in value. It's just different. It doesn't have less worth. It's just different. It doesn't doesn't have less ups and downs. It's just different. And Jesus loves it all. Jesus gave everything for all of it. So I I guess today, if I were to say one thing, Jesus actually asked one question at the end with Martha. And uh, he says, I'm the resurrection of life. And if you live in me and believe in me, you'll live and never die even when you die. He asks us one simple question. He says, "Do you believe this? Do you believe this?" I, uh, I guess I'm going to ask you the same question today. Do you believe this? That that even though your story has had some ups and downs, even though your story in certain places has felt like death, you've walked to the grave feeling like it's not going to, it's not going to come out of there. It's not going to, it's not going to get up again. It's, it's not going to make it. Now I wonder if you could see Jesus and see the resurrection and the life. If you could see Jesus and see hope. If you could see Jesus and see love and joy. If you could see Jesus and see him loving you wherever you are at in your story. Now he wants to give you a new story, one that's not defined by the circumstances or the places, but one that is identified with who he is so that your story can come back to life your story can be resurrected. Will you bow your heads with me? Lord, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you so much for what we celebrate today. I thank you that you are for us and you are with us and that you do want to make a difference in our life. That there is nothing too great for your grace.